0: Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A Better Way to Farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We appreciate you. We're super excited about who we have on with us today. Obviously, Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we increase yields and improve profits one of the things that's on people's mind right now is what should I be doing about fungicide? It's been dry, it's been you know, pretty miserable and we're a little bit behind. And yet here we are today with a nice rain rolling across most of the state of Iowa. And so we have someone on that we're excited to share to talk about fungicide with us and share some thoughts with you. And I'd like to welcome to the call, Mr. Eric Wickman of Wickman Chemical from Atlantic, Iowa. Eric, thanks for taking your time today. You're very welcome. We appreciate it. You know, Eric, as I look at this, and you look at the, if you will, the disease triangle, as the media tends to talk about it, where we have to have a pathogen, we have to have a host plant, and then we have to have the environment that is correct to make it work to need that. And I look at what has happened here over the last two weeks. You know, two weeks ago, most of us were trying to decide if we were going to have to disc our crop or if it was actually going to make anything. And then in the last two weeks, it is broken and we seem to be getting some relief and some weather and a lot of the crops are starting to look better. And so all of a sudden, now we have a host plant, probably with the moisture, we got some pathogens that are going to thrive, so we have the environment for them to really work. So let's talk a little bit, Eric, about where you see the most bang for their buck using fungicide within a corn and a bean crop. What's your thoughts on that?
1: So there's a lot of guys that prophylactically treat their crops for plant disease. So they're putting a fungicide on whether they need to or not and that's a crap shoot. So generally we look at seven bushels in corn and three to five bushels in soybeans from a fungicide treatment. In the presence of disease, it can be much higher. Uh, without disease there, it can be much lower. And if you look at the statistics, you know not every application makes money. So what my advice to the farmer is delay application until you know there's a problem or there's a severe problem in your neighborhood and you're trying to act in advance. And a good example of that would be tar spot uh, in corn. Soybean plant diseases, uh, a lot of people think they can treat white mold with a fungicide. You can in advance, there's a series of things you can do to stop white mold, but most of the plant disease we see in soybeans is later in the summer, late July, early August. So treatments usually begin in that time frame. And there's an economic return if there's some, like frog eye leaf spots, a good one. If you can knock that out of your beans, there's five to seven bushels there. But the disease has to be present to stop it.
0: Absolutely. And I I appreciate your honesty, and that's what I'm looking for. I had tar spot written down as the next thing that I want to talk about. And so I would like you to share with us what fungicides are you seeing with an effectiveness against tar spot?
1: Okay, so tar spot is actually it has gotten a started in a start in a lot of areas. Uh, we're hearing about it in Wisconsin, around the Des Moines area. I'm not quite into western Iowa yet, but I know Audubon County has some cases of it, and Shelby County. So it's 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 in southwest Iowa. We're seeing that. But so tar spot is a pretty violent disease. I would say second only to southern rust, and we have to treat it early. And scouting is difficult. So we look at the disease triangle and we really want to be listening to our agronomy experts on the radio, seed corn companies. You know, there, there's always people that are talking about it, but if it's in your neighborhood, I would scout immediately. It'll be on the lower leaves. It, it looks like small black pinpricks when it starts and you need to spray as soon as possible. And the thing about tar spot is it's going to require this early, it would require at least two treatments to keep it out of your corn. If it's later in the season, like last year, it came in so late, it really didn't do anything to yield. It came in in late August and the corn was already made. So this early, we'd be looking at, at uh, treating it right away if you can diagnose it. And most of the two active ingredient type fungicides, so the original one for that would be like Quildexcel, and that's got propiconazole with a strobularin in there. So most of those are effective on tar spot. We can go on up the ladder. There's some, you know, Luceno, Veltima. Triva Pro, three-way effective fungicides, and they are better, but only slightly better. And you really need to watch your expense because the lower end fungicides, and then I'm talking about Brixen, Fiance, Cover XL, or Quilt XL, Approach Prima, do a pretty good job and cost around that $7 to $10 zone. When we go into a Triva Pro, we're probably $15, $16, Moravis Neo, Veltima, Revitec, those products are in the mid-20s. So we've got to make sure we have enough disease to get return on investment. And I'm not going to say that Veltima is not better or Revitec is not better than Kuldex-L. It is. But, you know, if you don't need to spend $25 and you think the $8 to $10 treatment
0: will work, by all means, use the lower-cost treatment. Absolutely. Well, I mean, obviously, you're vested in all of these because you market all of the different ones you've mentioned. And so you're just giving advice as though you were doing it on your farm. And I, I respect that. and I appreciate it. You're talking about with the tar spot needing to do a second application. What is the time frame? You know, I'm out in my field. I see a little bit of tar spot on a lower leaf and immediately I spray. And how long do I wait before I come back with that second spray?
1: Well, there again, environmental conditions will make a difference. But with most plant disease, if we have humidity and heavy dew, so if there's a dew or a fog in the morning and the corn stays wet for a good part of the day, you're probably going to need to spray within two weeks. A 15 days is kind of the standard on tar spot and southern rust as far as that goes. So most of these fungicides, even with a preventative in a the tank, they might talk about 21 days. But typically these hotter diseases, you're not going to get 21 days. You're going to get 15 days. But if you'd spray your corn on July 15th, that means mean you'd respray around August 1st. I would doubt that you would need to spray after August 15th. A third trip would be almost unheard of because the corn at that point is fully dented and pretty well developed. We're not going to gain any yield at that point. But between July 15th or even the 7th and August 15th, you know, we're we're at ear fill, kernel fill, and we want to maximize that. And Anytime we have plant disease, heavy plant disease, you know, it's going to reduce that plant's ability to fill that ear and also affect our stock quality. So we just want to make sure and keep it, you know, at bay for that 30-day period when we're doing ear fill. You know, you can make your decisions on August 15th. If the corn's not dented yet, you're still in the milk stage, by all means, it could be possible you'd spray August 15th. But uh, all things being equal in Southwest Iowa, I would say, you know, the 15th through the 15th, that 30-day that period between July 15th and August 15th is probably your prime time for spraying tar spot.
0: Excellent. From our standpoint, it would appear that you know, we do a lot of foliar feeding and sure. our guys tend to foliar feed between V8 and up to V12. But at V12, we want them to quit. We find V13 and 14 to be risky, I guess, for ear development. And then we see a lot of our fungicide going on at VT, which of course is full tassel. Somewhere between VT and R2, we have a 26% nitrogen that the guys put with this about a gallon and a half, maybe two gallons to the acre as a carrier for your fungicide and we find good results there. Are those windows that you're comfortable with of going from VT to R2, or what is your thought process on the timing there?
1: Actually, with tar spot, I'd say when disease is present, and it can hit earlier than tassel. You know, this is where a good scouting program and paying attention to what the local agronomy folks are telling you comes in. So you might make that early trip at flag leaf or a little bit earlier, or even B5 with tar spot. Most of the tests show the two applications we'll bring about that second application, we'll bring up to 20, 25 bushels. So we really need to be more aware of tar spots there or not and treat accordingly. The foliar feed portion of it, I agree with you. We wanna make sure maybe close to, at least make sure the tassels are up and pollinating. We don't wanna burn mm-hmm. any silks. We don't want to do any damage. And 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 I look at adjuvant packages as well. We had some trouble in the early days of fungicide with too much crop oil. and. Burning some silks and creating beer can ears. So we have to be, you know, we have to be smart about how we apply chemistry and fertilizer to corn. But I agree with you, the foliar feed will do a lot of good in the right time frame. If it lines up with, with fungicide application, by all means put it in the tank. But chances are if you're having to spray for tar spot at V5 or before the flag leaf or at flag leaf, you're going to spray a second trip. So you'll be able to get that foliar feed in there at some point.
0: Absolutely. And we appreciate that. We have found another product that we have is a 26% triazone nitrogen with a half a percent boron. Uh, typically, our experience would indicate, unless there's some micro that you're just horribly deficient in, we don't get much bang for our buck. The half a percent boron seems to be very much pay its way, but uh, we're looking at that. I've also heard that, like Priva Pro, uh, some of the guys are having some trouble that doesn't mix very well with a 31818. And so wow. I, you know, I want to be cautious with that, right?
1: Sure, and, and and it gets to be the issue gets to be how much carrier you have, and of course a, a nitrogen product wouldn't have as much room as just straight water. I see this a lot. Guys want to put the trace elements or, or nitrogen packs in with their fungicide, and typically we need to maybe increase the water. We're certainly not going to do that with just one gallon of of liquid. We need two to three probably. Right. Uh, the application people want more money when you go up in gallons but there should be enough yield benefit there to go ahead and do that. Absolutely. Um,
0: I explain it as they're trying to put 10 pounds of flour in a five pound bag. You just can't load that much stuff up into one gallon of solution. It gets too heavy.
1: Yeah, I agree with that completely. And the number that we tend to use is, you know, the water can only take about 4%. So if you're if you putting a thousand gallons of water and you're putting more than 40 gallons of heavy chemicals in there, you're going to start having mixing issues. And of course, ammonium sulfate, some other things. So The more stuff you try to stuff into a gallon of water, the less likely it is to mix correctly.
0: Absolutely. And we appreciate that. Talk to me. How do you feel about a drone versus an airplane versus a ground rig for spraying fungicide on? Okay. Well,
1: you know, truthfully, if I was going to do that, what's the good, better, best, you know, the best way to apply fungicide is with a ground rig, even though you're running a little bit of crop down. Volume and coverage are super important. And I know in my neighborhood, we're, we're more rolling hills and less likely to use a ground rig. But my customers up around, say, Ankeny or Ames, they are all applying fungicide with ground rigs and doing a better job than we can do with airplanes or helicopters. It's just more water. The more you cover the plant, top to bottom, the better job that fungicide is going to do. So if we drop down the scale and say, well, what's better, a helicopter or a drone or an airplane? You know, there's always the argument between the helicopters and the airplane as to which one does a better job. My opinion is which one puts on the most water. So if you're putting three gallons an acre on with a drone, it's every bit as good as the helicopter or the airplane. What I've seen is guys try to cut that application rate to one gallon an acre, and it's just too thin. And we've seen drones work. We actually used them on some fields a couple of years ago. And and they're great, the problem's been we just can't get enough acres covered quickly enough with drones. And that technology is getting better. It's it's. I'm not going to say it'll never happen. And just right now, there's a few guys claiming they can get the acres covered. But uh, there again, I want you to use two or three gallons of water and, and weight and drones don't mix. They want to run those lighter rates and try to get their coverage done, which might be okay with an insecticide, but not fungicide. So My main point is the amount of water you use in atomization really does make a difference. It's huge.
0: Okie dokie. I agree. We have a lot of guys actually on the team using drones, and they're all spraying, you know, two to three gallon. It's a little slower, Mm -hmm. but they're worried about getting a quality job. I do like the drone because of its preciseness on the edges and the corners. You know, they don't come in high and hot and pull up early. And so I'm really, I'm very happy with that. But we've also found, which is one of the reasons that I'm very choosy when I go in, we have a really good surfactant. And that surfactant really helps get a lot better coverage. However, that is also our enemy if we're at like V14, V15 there in front of, you know, we got that tassel up and it's not showing. I don't think we want to have a really high powered surfactant in there unless we want to see that arrested ear syndrome. Do you agree with that?
1: There are surfactants that are designed to go with fungicide. They're general on the crop. They do get better penetration and you know adherence. So I always look at drift and deposition. A deposition to me is getting it to stick to the crop and be more effective, maybe reduce evaporation rates. So there are better surfactants, but the good old days where we were out putting a gallon of crop oil per acre with fungicide, it
0: was too much. <laughs> yeah. And we um, learned that the hard way. Yeah. yeah. Eric, talk to me for us, the prime time for a foliar feed on soybeans is R3. In other words, when we have that 3 sixteenths inch pod, anywhere in the top four nodes, that's when we're going to be really looking at going at that. How does that line up putting a fungicide on on the bean plants? What's your recommendation there? Well
1: well, I would say most of the time that's the perfect time frame. And then it depends on what you want to put in there. But I like the foliar feed with fungicide around. And and I tell my guys end of July, beginning of August, generally we we're setting pods at that point, get it done. But the question's been in the past, should I put an insecticide in there? And I always say, you know, look, if, if you don't have an insect problem, let's not be using insecticide. I err on the side of caution. Um, we can do some things, deleterious things, by pulling putting insecticide on when we don't need to. We kill our predator beetles. We can open the door for mites and aphids if we have some dry weather. So the foliar feed with fungicide pod set, basically, is a great idea. And I know, you know, I've tried it myself, and there is a yield benefit to doing that when you hit that window. I'm good with putting fungicide with a foliar feed insecticide, I think, is uh, is we just have a question of whether we need it or not. If we don't need it, don't use it.
0: You know, and I appreciate this because I correct that you farm in addition to running your chemical business. Yes. Well,
1: yeah, I want to maximize my yield. And a lot of guys are surprised that I don't use insecticides loosely. And the reason being is I've seen what happens when we overapply insecticide and, and you know, we kill our predators and then pretty soon we have an aphid or mite problem that cost us another trip with insecticide and probably some yield. So I fungicide on beans. There is so much frog eye leaf spot anymore. I, I just feel like we can almost always get a bang for our buck with fungicide. Uh, you know, the soybeans need that nutrient when they're set in pods and there's there's been some real good benefit to foliar feed. I don't disagree with that at all. So just the insecticide just kind of as needed. And, and there's guys that do, there's grasshopper problems, We've got stink bugs. We've had uh, army worms down south in Kansas. We actually are seeing sorghum fields wiped out by, by uh, I think it's cinch bugs down in Kansas right now that are pinch bugs that are uh, wiping out the sorghum fields. And if they don't treat it, the fields are literally gone. Wow. So there's a time when you need to, you know, we you need the insecticide. But that fungicide with boulder feed, yeah, excellent. So,
0: okay. Well, Eric, I know you're a busy man, and I appreciate you taking your time. Any closing comments? You know, there's a guy sitting out there, and he's just on the fence. You know, it has been dry. I've got some rain. My corn's looking better. Should I or should I not? What do you say to that guy?
1: Well, rain drives a couple things. Number one, these fungus diseases, the diseases that we have that are on corn, soybeans, generally are from splash. So it's on the ground. We get a driving rain that splashes it onto the plant. And so with rain and, you know, if you've got a healthy crop and you're above your federal crop numbers, I think it's just more and more likely that you're going to spray for plant disease. You know, if you're not sure scout, but if you look like you're going to have a decent yield and you've had enough rain to get that leaf splash off the ground and those plants are probably already infected, then we need to be scouting and decide making those fungicide decisions. And, And those decisions don't end till August 15th. So you may have a clean field today. And three weeks from now have a big disease problem. So let's keep scouting apply fungicide as necessary. And, uh, you know, just keep our heads, you know, don't stick your head in the sand, make some smart decisions. If you've got a good crop, it's certainly worth watching and certainly worth, you know, applying some fungicide and some foliar feed and doing the things that benefits you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the key is just, we got to get out and walk in the fields, you know, it's, it's, that's paramount and that scouting the field doesn't mean driving by at 60 miles an hour. But actually getting out and walking across those fields to see what we've got and what's out in there is probably the best friend that a farmer has. So, well, Eric, I appreciate it. I'll wrap this thing up. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. And if they want to reach you, uh, you have a website they can go to?
1: Just uh, WickmanChemical.com or just type Wickman Chemical into your search engine. It comes up right away. And then you can always call us. There's phone numbers and uh, emails on there. You can call us from there. So love to love to talk to people. We don't always sell them chemicals, but people call every day with questions. We're happy to answer them.
0: And I appreciate that. That's one of the things that uh, we have a mutual friend, Preston, who referred you to me and I'm he thinks very highly of you. And I appreciate the fact your willingness just to help the American farmer. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you tuning in, listening to this episode. We hope that you find value in it. Eric, I thank you again for this to all of our listeners. We appreciate you guys letting us have a little bitty part of your life, and we really do hope you're having a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at VerbalCrowd.com.